potential matchup of Duke and Michigan State. Potential matchup of Duke and Michigan State. Well, it's no longer potential anymore. It happened, right? The committee got what they wanted. I think a lot of people got that what they wanted outside of Michigan State fans, and I guess potentially Duke fans because Michigan State is historically good. And despite Izzo's lack of success against Duke, Michigan State has beaten Duke in the tournament before. And the last time Michigan State played Duke, they won. So I guess it was a tough draw for both teams. But it's not like one team had a distinct advantage in the seeding and in the region, right? Like Duke, Duke's the number two seed, and they get a chance to play Michigan State in the second round. I wouldn't be comfortable with that as a Duke fan. Michigan State gets Duke in the second round, and I obviously wouldn't be comfortable with that as a Michigan State fan. So I don't think there was this clear disadvantage for for one team or or the other, a clear advantage for for one team or the other. It was just kind of how it works. You know, it's it's about marketing. It's about the money. And that this is as emotional as I'm going to get about it because I think it was a good game. And all I wanted was Michigan State to beat Davidson, Barry Lawyer, and we'll see where it goes with Duke and just give us a chance. Like, at least put a stare in the arena with Duke and who knows what can happen. And it was close, right? Up five, less than five minutes to go, right? Right there, right there. It just slipped away. It just slipped away right there at the end and obviously hurts because Michigan won, pulled a crazy upset. I'll get to that later. But, yeah, I just wanted to start with the emotion, slight, just the very little emotional side of it. Because obviously, as a Michigan State fan, it was tough, and you you know you've heard all the the jokes and the crap and the audio and all that. But you know, when the bracket got first released, and I saw that Duke and Michigan State were gonna have a slight chance to play each other in the second round, and I spite picked Cal State Fullerton to beat Duke, so it wouldn't happen. And then Michigan State beating Davidson would be amazing because we'd beat Lawyer. You know, there are all these things going on at the bottom of that on the bottom of that West region that you know it was very very fun to watch very fun to look at so just the only thing i'm gonna say emotionally about it outside of what i've already said is the committee got what they wanted when the tournament committee created that west bracket when they figured it all out and they lined everything up they said look michigan state was on the eight or nine line before the big 10 tournament they won a game they've moved themselves up to the seven line we can put them there but what two seed are they gonna play Duke is a two seed, fits perfectly after losing to Virginia Tech, a bubble, not even a bubble team, a team out of the bracket predictions. Duke loses to Virginia Tech, and now Duke can fall down to the two line. Hey, look, twos and sevens can play each other in the second round. Michigan State's going to go where Duke is as a two, right? They're just they're just going to go. They're going to go right next to each other, and, and we can get this Izzo-Shashevsky showdown one last time. From, from the Krzyzewski side of it. So, I mean, the the committee got what they wanted. It got did Michigan State beat Davidson in a really nice game, a really good game, a close game, and Duke beat Cal State Fullerton, and Duke and Michigan State played each other, and I would say, overall, it was a high-level game played by high-level players, most mostly, and coached by clearly high-level coaches. And, you know, each coach had a you know, a couple different 
uh-oh moments, a little confusing areas in the game, certain substitutions that I won't that I won't get into, certain coaching and timeout scenarios where timeouts were called for a certain team that doesn't wear blue and then nothing resulted as as uh, as a result of that timeout, right? And like timeouts would get called, an offensive set would be drawn up and then nothing would happen and we just move on. So the committee got what they wanted. It was it was for publicity. It was to get people to watch. And people did. I did. But people outside, Izzo, Izzo Krzyzewski, people are going to watch. Izzo versus Coach K. Every game that Coach K is in, in this tournament, people are going to be locked into because you never know when it could be his last. right? And as deeper and deeper and deeper we get into the tournament, the better and better the teams are that Duke is going to play. And just more people are going to keep watching. And outside of this Coach K watching party, Coach K and Izzo coaching against each other for the last time, because they won't meet again after this. This is the last Coach K-Izzo showdown. People are going to be locked into that. The chance that that could happen, that is national coverage. That is national coverage even before the team's playing the first round. Right, people talking about it endlessly before the first round games even get played. So kudos to Michigan State for beating Davidson while everyone was talking about the ne- what would be the next matchup. Right, even though it was obviously a close game against Davidson, who has I, Davidson has a nice team. So you know, I'm not beat up. I'm not hurt over the loss. I'm not all you know whiny. Committee screwed us over. Right, that this is how it works. Right, Izzo's a Hall of Fame coach. Coach K is a Hall of Fame coach. These are two very good programs historically top whatever you want to argue i'm not going to get into that but two teams that bring money and viewers to networks and that's why that they got the the 515 eastern time start with the top broadcast crew cbs's top broadcast crew right they got all they got all the bells and whistles for this game and cbs and the committee and everybody got what they wanted. They got a high-level game, high-level coaches, high-level players, high-level competition. It was a close game throughout, punch after punch after punch thrown, jab, uppercut, whatever. Punches were thrown. Things got things were tough. There was offense, there was defense, there was speed, there was pace. It was a good game. And ultimately, the better team won, but Michigan State showed guts, and they showed grit keeping it as close as they did. And I'm not going to forgive the loss just because they kept it close. It's not a consolation prize. It's not a, a moral victory or a silver lining. Hey, we lost. At least we kept it close, so it doesn't hurt at all. Like It still hurts. They still lost. They lost in a game that they had in the grasp, in within reach up five less than five minutes ago i won't say duke was on the ropes but the game was undoubtedly in question for duke it wasn't like duke was up 15 with four to go and michigan state you know cut it to five with 30 seconds left and duke just got the ball and michigan state fouled and there was nothing left right it wasn't one of those games right you look at the you look at the game and the final score is duke by nine and you're thinking oh well this could have gone either way this could have been a close game all the way through or duke could have been up 20 end to end and michigan state made a garbage time run at the end of the game that didn't matter no this game was close it was back and forth all game it was high level competition so 
the committee got what they wanted. They got their high-level matchup. They got their final Izzo-Coach-K game. And, and it really it lived up to the hype. It was a nice game. So that's all. That's all I'm going to say emotionally about the game itself. So the next thing I want to do is I'm going to go back, right? Like, like I said last week, I was like when I went back and talked about what I got right and what I got wrong in the conference tournament, I then made the predictions for the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. So we're going to go back and take a look at those picks that I made, and we're going we're gonna to laugh at me. And I'm gonna be proven right. I'm gonna be proven wrong. We're just gonna we're just gonna bring everything full circle, bring everything back, and do a, a little recap that has brought us to where we are now. Then we're gonna predict the games. I'm gonna pick the games, pick the winners. I'm gonna give a couple looks at who could be uh, lower seeded teams that could win a couple more games. Uh, I'm gonna give the team that I think has the best chance of these Cinderellas so far: Michigan, St. Peter's. Iowa State, Miami, who of these teams has the best shot to get out of the next weekend of the tournament to get into the Final Four, right? We're going to take a quick look at that, and uh, we'll, we'll see where we go from there. We'll talk about Michigan, Michigan and Tennessee there, too. We'll talk about that for a minute, and uh, try and mix a little bit of NFL in, because there's been a lot of news going on, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes, because, you know, it's it's middle of the week. It's college. People are on a time crunch, so we're going to see see how everything goes but we're going to start with basketball and we if we have time to finish it up with some nfl news particularly deshaun watson baker mayfield matt ryan we'll get to that at the end and uh yeah so let's get back into what happened last week with my picks and overall not terrible not great but not terrible for for someone that did a, a nice amount of research i uh you know i'm kind of i'm kind of disappointed in how it went but again not everybody predicted Richmond to just beat Iowa the way that they did. Not necessarily go wire to wire on them, but you know, which Richmond was pretty much the better team <laughs> all game, which was unfortunate. But you know, just because I got it wrong and everyone else got it wrong doesn't mean it's it's an excuse. So again, that was just that was just a tough one. But the, I I will say as well, th- th- this East region, it's honestly th- this East region, it's like it, it's blood, it's blood and it's war. This east, this east region was brutal. Baylor losing, Kentucky losing. I mean, this is this is nuts. I, if 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 Purdue doesn't at least get to the Elite Eight and realistically the Final Four, they should be completely ashamed of themselves. But let's go back. Let's go back to my picks. Gonzaga, Georgia State. I picked Gonzaga. Memphis, Boise State. I picked Memphis. I got that one right. I picked uh, Connecticut to beat New Mexico State. That did not happen. New Mexico State was a team that I outlined in my upset potentials, but I did not pick New Mexico State, and I should have listened to what I had said. Uh, Arkansas was a sleeper and then a upset potential as well, so it was kind of best of both worlds. I picked Arkansas to win, got it right, moved on. Uh, Notre Dame to beat Alabama, even though I wasn't high on Notre Dame against uh, Rutgers. They played that double overtime game. That was insane. And then once I saw that, I was like, you know, I'm going to pick Notre Dame to win this game. Uh, they housed Alabama, really. They went they went wire to wire against Alabama. I got that one right. Texas Tech, Montana State, I picked Tech. Tech beat them by 35 points. MSU Davidson picked MSU. Duke CS Fullerton, I picked Duke, but in, in every other bracket where I wasn't picking to actually try and be right I, I picked cal state fullerton it didn't work uh baylor norfolk state picked baylor carolina marquette picked carolina that carolina marquette game 
that was oof, that was brutal for Marquette. St. Mary's, Indiana, in in the worst prediction of the week, I had Indiana. They lost by 30. 82-53 against St. Mary's, a team that then went on lost by 16 to UCLA. I mean, oof, that was that was brutal. UCLA, Akron, I picked UCLA. That worked out. Texas, Virginia Tech. I had Virginia Tech. I went with the hot hand team that rolled through the ACC tournament. Got in on what I'm going to call the Oregon State principle or the uh, Oregon State conundrum. They did the same thing Oregon State did last year. I thought maybe they'd ride ride the wave a little bit the way Oregon State did. Didn't happen. Didn't work. I got it wrong. But Virginia Tech still scored 73 points on a stout Texas defense, which is very interesting. And then Texas gave up 81 to Purdue. Purdue-Yale. I picked Purdue. Ended up working out. Murray State-San Francisco was a very complicated one. I picked Murray State. One of the better games of the first round. Very good game. This uh, this East region, as twisted as it is, has had some of the better games of the tournament so far. We'll get to the next one in a second. Murray State beat San Francisco. I picked Murray State. Got that one right. Uh, Kentucky-St. Peter's. Uh, I picked St. Peter's. I, that's a joke. I did not pick St. Peter's. I picked Kentucky, and this game goes into overtime, and I'm thinking there's no way. If, there, if, if Kentucky's going to lose, they got to lose it in regulation. There's no way that St. Peter's can keep hanging out with these guys in overtime. Sure enough, they did, and they won. And I'm like, cool. Not cool because my bracket's screwed, but cool because, holy crap, Kentucky lost. That means Duke can lose. The two seeds aren't invincible. Also, two straight years of 15 seeds going to the Sweet 16. Very interesting how the college basketball field is kind of leveling out as NIL deals and transfer portal uh, acquisitions have been made over the last course of, you know, year, two years. So I think there's something to that. I'm not necessarily saying that 15 seeds are going out and handing out hundreds of thousands of dollars to transfer students and, and NIL deals and things like that to, to draw, you know, to draw Jabari Smith to St. Peter's, right? That's not happening. But I do think there is a slight causality between uh, NIL deals, the transfer portal, and how the college basketball playing field court has leveled out this season, really. And, and I think it's really showing itself in this, in this I won't say post COVID world, but in the world where things are on a slight trend to return to normal at some point. And I think this year was a, a, a replication and a, and a first look at how level the college basketball court can be now that people can just hand out money and hand out deals to players to bring them to the university. That's why you see a Jabari Smith at Auburn, a school that hadn't been known for its basketball success. Next thing you know, hey, look, they're a two seed. Now, I know that didn't end well, but right, teams like Auburn, I mean, Auburn hadn't been in the college basketball scene in I don't know how long. Longer longer than I've been alive, right? You've got, you've got Wisconsin as a three seed coming right up through the Big Ten that was predicted to finish in the bottom half of the Big Ten, right? There's, there's just been, this is a very level college basketball season this year and it, it's actually been really cool to see it's made it harder to predict and it's why you have all these weird things happening but as these nil deals and as the transfer portal becomes more and more known more and more relevant i don't think it's a coincidence that as all this is happening and developing you now have two straight years 
with 15 seeds going to the Sweet 16. I don't think that's a coincidence. So, you know, it's still top heavy at the top, right? You still got Duke, you still got Kansas, you still got Gonzaga, right? Teams that are the top, pretty much undoubtedly, but they also don't look in, as invincible as they used to be. So, that's just a little bit that I have on the on the transfer portal. That I'll I'll end my I'll end my speech on that, but. Over into the Midwest region, we had Auburn against Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State getting in off that bogus technicality that I talked about last week or last week or two weeks ago. I forget, but um, I think it was last week. Picked Auburn to beat Jacksonville State. They did. It didn't go well for them after that. Uh, Miami USC, I, I had no read on this game. I really had no idea. and ended up being a very close game. Miami beat USC by two. I picked USC to win. Had it wrong. Uh, Wisconsin Colgate I picked Wisconsin despite the fact that I did have them on the potential upset uh, grid because of how experienced Colgate is and they play tough defense so Wisconsin beat Colgate by seven nice game hard fought by Colgate Wisconsin got the win LSU Iowa State I said last week Iowa State somebody else has to score more than 15 points at Brockington against LSU it was Tyrese Hunter my my check my check boxes got checked. Brockington over fifteen. Somebody else over fifteen. It was Tyrese Hunter. Iowa State win fifty nine fifty four. Check mark. Got it. Had it right. Right on the nose. Uh, Providence South Dakota State. <sighs> I picked South Dakota State. It's what I get for picking the Jackrabbits. They they would lose. I deserve that as a UND student. But again, I thought I had it right with South Dakota State. You win. 30 games in the season for a reason despite the conference that you play you got to be good right because eventually somebody will beat you and south dakota state hadn't lost in the 2022 calendar year and they were scoring 86 87 points a game and i thought hey you know they can still score 76 to 80 against the providence team right because obviously you'll downgrade slightly how many points they'll score against the power five team right so i say you go from 86 to 76 you still got a good shot to beat providence if you can lock them up on defense and providence plays a slow brand of basketball right they don't they don't have a lot of fast pace and how they how they play offensively so i thought maybe south dakota state catches providence off guard gets them out of their element south dakota state drops 75 points on them providence is forced to play a quicker pace of offense than they're used to south dakota state catches them on guard off guard boom south dakota state wins it didn't happen. South Dakota State only scored 57 points. Providence in, enforced their will early, and South Dakota State just couldn't get couldn't get close enough. They, this was another one of those games where you see it. It's a nine point differential at the final score, but it really it was closer than that. South Dakota State did pull within, I believe, five at one point late in the game, and you know Providence Providence just closed it out. So. Kudos to Providence. I had that one wrong. I got I got both of these, both of these wrong. I picked by I picked uh, Providence to lose. I picked Iowa to win. The inverse happened. Providence won. Iowa lost. Richmond beating Iowa was probably outside of St. Peter's the most surprising actual winner. I think one of the more surprising results of the weekend was Carolina or of the first round was Carolina beating Marquette by thirty. And St. Mary's beating Indiana by 30. But in terms of who actually won the game, Richmond being a winner against Iowa was very surprising to me and to a lot of other people as well. So I had that one way off. And again, as someone who has been offered 
a large sum of money from Iowa State, I deserve to pick Iowa and I deserved to get it wrong as a result of that. So again, that's just the basketball gods saying, uh, what are you doing, bro? So I just kind of, I ignored, I ignored the way of college basketball and I ignored the way of rivalries and yeah, I I got bit in the ass for it. So, oh well, Kansas, I picked Kansas to win. They did. They beat Texas Southern. I picked Creighton to beat San Diego State. Another good game there. Creighton SDSU went in overtime. The real SDSU. Creighton beat him in overtime. I picked Creighton. I picked Kansas right. We move on from there. Nova, Delaware. Delaware hung tight with them. Then, um, you know, Villanova just opened it up on him. Picked Villanova. Got that one right. Ohio State, Loyola. This one was tough in, in all my brackets. I, I in. My serious brackets, I've got about four, diff- four or five different serious brackets, and I was split on this game in all the brackets. But in this one, I picked I picked Loyola. I got it wrong. Ohio- Probably the worst game of the first round, Ohio State-Loyola. What a, what a boring game. Low-level basketball. 95 combined points at the end of the game. It was the first game of the second day, I believe. It was the first game on Friday. And it was that was just a brutal game to watch, and I'm watching because I'll have time because I had a I had a doctor's thing I needed to go to Friday. Quick story, so I had this doctor's thing I needed to go to Friday afternoon, and I'm like, okay, I'll have time to watch Loyola and Ohio State play before my appointment. Cause it was in the middle of the afternoon. Loyola Ohio State tip off at twelve ten, twelve fifteen, whenever they do, and it's just like I'm watching this game and I'm trying not to fall asleep. I'm like. Drew Valentine, do something, please. Move your offense, do something. Make a basket, make a layup, make a three. And Ohio State's just sitting there lethargic, up 15, up 10, up 12. The whole game, Loyola can't score, and it's just like, this is this is unbelievable. It was like, I don't know, I don't know what's more boring, watching Ohio State, Loyola, Chicago, or or sitting out watching paint dry or grass grow. I mean, it was it was brutal. So it was brutal, and I got it wrong. It would have been one thing if I picked Ohio State on the show last week, and it was like, well, it was boring and awful basketball, but at least I picked the game right. Uh, I didn't. So had that one wrong. Oh, well. Tennessee smacked the best name of a college ever in history, Longwood. I Again, I didn't pick Longwood because of the name. I picked Tennessee. I knew I know Tennessee's the better team. I kind of liked. Okay, I need to be careful how I say this. Uh, Longwood was a team that I thought could potentially give teams trouble. But when I saw Tennessee wasn't a two seed, they were a three seed, I thought, okay, uh, Tennessee will not be losing to Longwood. And they did not lose. Tennessee won by 32. A surprising result, I will say, similar to uh, North Carolina winning by 30 and St. Mary's winning by 30. I was not accepting that type of a beatdown. Uh... But it happened, and Tennessee played the the brand of defense that we know that they can play, and Tennessee did not go 2-4-60 from the three-point line the way they did in the next game. So, (laughs) brutal. Absolutely brutal. Colorado State, Michigan. I picked Michigan. I I was saying this the whole time. I was saying it the whole time, and as a Michigan State fan, it's like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pick Colorado State. I mean, I picked Colorado State out of spite in the brackets that I didn't care about, but when it came down to this and actually wanting to predict the games right, I picked Michigan. They were the better team. They had the size advantage. 
They were down 15 early in the game, and then, oh my gosh, everything turns around, and here they are, up 18 or whatever it was, up 15. It was like a 30-point swing almost, and they ended up winning the game by 12. So was I surprised that they were down as much as they were early? Yes, but was I surprised that they came back, figured it out, forced the ball down low more, got the win? No, I'm not surprised at that at all. So I had the Michigan-Colorado State game right. Illinois-Chattanooga, another terrible game in the first round. Not as bad as, as Loyola and Ohio State this game actually broke 100 points in the, in the over-under total. But 54-53 Illinois over Chattanooga, what a brutal game. I didn't watch that much of this game because there were other high-level games on with it. So I just kind of kept looking at the score and was like, look, it's a close game. So it's, it's intriguing, but also uh, it's boring. So I was just watching other basketball. And uh, Chattanooga was leading for a lot of this game, really. And Illinois just found a way to come back and win this game. And it's like, wow. This crazy comeback, and they only scored 54 points, but they got what they deserved in the next game as I was on a plane. So Houston UAB picked Houston. I, I looked at the Houston UAB game and thought, you know, UAB was a good team, potential pulling the upset. I thought this would be one of the better games that could be a 12-5 upset, one of the better games overall that could result in an upset. I was wrong in that there were better games that resulted in an upset, St. Peter's, Kentucky being the main one, obviously, but... Uh, I do think this was this was a good this was a fun game to watch because Houston and UAB were both fast. It was just UAB wasn't hitting their shots. So again, I picked Houston, got it right. Yay, good job. Moving on to TCU Seton Hall. I had TCU in this one, a game that I didn't really have a read on, so I picked the team that I whose conference I valued more, and uh turns out I was rewarded in that uh assessment because TCU won by twenty seven points, so I picked the Big 12 over the Big East. I was rewarded in that, and I picked Arizona over Wright State because I'm not a psychopath. So, yeah. End of the round of 32. We have Gonzaga and Memphis, game that I picked correctly. Uh, actually, no, I didn't pick it correctly. I'm looking at Gonzaga. I'm like, oh, yeah, I picked Gonzaga. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, oops, I picked Memphis. Uh, this is an early upset that I had that I had on the board. I wanted Memphis on Gonzaga to play. I thought Memphis could beat him. Memphis gives them all they can handle. Lose by four. Arkansas, I had beating Connecticut, which it ended up Arkansas and New Mexico State. So I had Arkansas correct because they beat New Mexico State in a 53-48, to just absolute slop fest of a game. Uh, Notre Dame, Texas Tech, I had that matchup correctly. I picked Texas Tech to win. Texas Tech on the ropes. Ended up winning the game, but on the ropes. Michigan State-Duke. In this bracket, I picked Duke. I obviously wanted Michigan State to win, but I, I picked Duke. I got the game right. Duke beat Michigan State. Duke-Texas Tech. Baylor-North Carolina. In this bracket, I picked Baylor. This was the only one of my brackets that I picked Baylor to win. I will say that right now, and it's not an excuse. It's not, it's not you know, don't pity me. Don't say I got it right, even though I got it wrong in this bracket. But I am telling you, scouts honor, I picked North Carolina in every single bracket other than this one. But I'm willing to, I could have easily said, I picked North Carolina in every bracket while looking at me having Baylor in the Sweet 16 and I believe the Final Four, right? I picked Baylor in this bracket. I picked Baylor last week. Said North Carolina could give them a run. Uh, they did. Carolina was up 25, and the game went into overtime. But I picked Baylor to win in this one. They did not, but I got the points in all my other brackets, so it really doesn't matter. 
UCLA, I had UCLA playing Indiana. Uh, I picked UC, or I, yeah, UCLA playing Indiana, and ended up being UCLA St. Mary's. Uh, I picked UCLA to win, and they did, just not against the team I thought they'd win against. <laughs> uh, Purdue versus Virginia Tech is what I had. It ended up being Purdue versus Texas, and I picked Purdue to win. Purdue ended up winning. Purdue's now in the Sweet 16 against St. Peter's, which uh, that's not how I envisioned that going. Uh, Murray State versus Kentucky. I had Kentucky winning that game and ended up being Murray State versus St. Peter's, and St. Peter's won, so that was not good. Auburn, Miami, Florida. I had Auburn winning that game. Uh, or No, Auburn, USC. Sorry, I had Auburn playing against USC. Uh, it ended up being Auburn, Miami, Florida, and uh-oh, Miami goes end-to-end against Auburn, never trailed, Wins the game by almost 20, and all of a sudden Miami is a force to be reckoned with. The four seed in the ACC tournament is now in the Sweet 16 playing against an 11 seed for the right to go to the Elite Eight against more than likely number one seed Kansas. So that's kind of weird. I didn't expect that. I also got the other one wrong because I had uh, Iowa State-Wisconsin playing in the round of 32. I picked I I picked Wisconsin and ended up being Iowa State. So I also said, like I said earlier, Iowa State needs people to score with Brockington. Turns out they did because it was ended it ended up being Gabe Kalsher in the Wisconsin game. Holy crap, Isaiah Brockington scored less than fifteen points and Iowa State still won. So my my math and my check boxes there are two boxes that need to be checked for Iowa State. Brockington scores, exists, plays. Number two checkbox. Somebody else other than him must score 15 plus points. In the two games this tournament that's happened, Iowa State's won. I don't think that's a coincidence. I didn't think it would happen against Wisconsin. It did, and Iowa State won another garbage, garbage game, boring to watch, 54-59 slugfest against Wisconsin, and now Iowa State's playing Miami, who just dismantled Auburn for a chance to go to for a chance to go to the Elite Eight. Unbelievable stuff from the Cyclones, but good for them. Uh, I had Providence playing Richmond. Uh, that didn't happen, so that none of that matters. Kansas playing Creighton. I had, or I had South Dakota State playing Iowa. Sorry. I had South Dakota State playing Iowa. That did not work out, so yeah, <laughs> brutal. Creighton versus Kansas. I picked those ones right. Kansas and Creighton ended up playing against each other. I picked Kansas to win. They did. Creighton held it close, so I kept I got following the score of that game, and I was like, uh-oh, that's not good. Turns out Kansas ended up winning, so I'll take it, take my W and move on. Nova versus who I had. I had Nova playing Loyola Chicago. It ended up being Ohio State. Uh, I picked Villanova to win. Got it right. Moving on to the uh, tough one. Michigan, Tennessee. I had Tennessee winning. It was Michigan that won the game, and I was at a restaurant, and there were drunk Michigan fans there, and it was its not a pleasant experience. I thought they were loud when they were sober. Let's put it that way. Uh, Houston, Illinois. I had Houston winning that game. I had a nice read on Houston. Houston smacked them, beat them by 15, and it wasn't even that close. Good for Houston. Arizona TCU and probably the best game of the weekend. Arizona Arizona pulls a, an absolute 
I don't even know what I don't even know what to call it. A great game between Arizona and TCU. TCU up for a good amount of this game, very competitive back and forth, and TCU is winning at the end. Arizona hits a clutch three, and it was I think it was Matherin that hit the three, and then Arizona steals the ball from TCU, layup, dunk after the buzzer, doesn't count, game goes into overtime, Arizona wins against TCU, and Arizona-Houston is going to be a fantastic game. Uh, in this game, in this bracket, I picked Arizona, but I will not be shocked in the slightest if Houston ends up coming and winning this game. But that's just the look ahead, so I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna get all prediction on, on. I'm not gonna get all you know, high horse pick both. I'm gonna pick both of them to win. No, in this bracket, I have Arizona winning, and my pick is Arizona. But if Houston wins this game, I would not at all be surprised. So that's it for the round of. That's it for the round of 32. So let's predict the Sweet 16 just based on just based on the uh, on the live the live bracket. So we're not going to go to my bracket because my bracket's busted. We're going to go to the official live bracket and and predict and see see what happens here. So we've got Gonzaga in Arkansas. I am going to pick Gonzaga to win this game. Next one is Texas Tech, Duke. I'm going to pick Duke to win this game. Next up is Carolina, UCLA. I'm going to pick Carolina. One, because I, I like Carolina, personally. I like Brady Manick. I like uh, Caleb Love. I like RJ Davis. I like Leaky Black. I love Carolina's offense. I love how they move the ball. I love how they can score at every position. So I'm going to take Carolina in this game. I also have spite against UCLA after what they did in Michigan State in the first four where they never should have been last season and where Michigan should have been this season. Moving on, Purdue, St. Peter's. Uh, <laughs> the Peacocks, man. The Peacocks. You gotta love them. You gotta love the Peacocks. And, and I'm sorry, but I'm gonna pick Purdue because that's who I genuinely think is gonna win. But you know what? If the Peacocks win despite how it'll look on the Big Ten, I won't shed any tears. I love... I mean... I didn't even know this team existed until a week and a half ago. And Shaheen Holloway, I, come on, how can you not love the attitude? Literally, just he beats the number two seed in an overtime thriller. The I, you know, whoever was interviewing him after the game, how are how are you not feeling the tension? How are you not feeling stressed? How did you keep calm, keep your composure? You know all this stuff, and and Holloway is just like, oh, why would you ask that? It's just basketball. It's just basketball. And I'm like. You just beat the two seed. You just beat Calipari and Kentucky, a blue blood program. You were a school with like what, twenty five hundred students? Come on, it's just basketball. That's what you say. Uh, that's what you say in the driveway as a fourth grader, right? And, and you lose in a one on one game against the the ninth grader living down the street when he pummels you by thirty because you think you know you think you're hot stuff. You're gonna take on the high school kid as an elementary school and you, you're going to try your new little through the legs dribble move you learn and it turns out well the high school kid plays JV you just smacked your ass by 40 that's just basketball what Shaheen Holloway did that's history that's not just basketball that's history 15 over 2 seeds don't happen it's not supposed to happen and then he won again just as calm just as calm and composed and I'm like what? Well, how? So, will Purdue win the game? 
Probably. Is Purdue the better team? Probably. Yes. Is Purdue bigger? Yes. Faster? Yes. Stronger? Yes. Taller? Yes. Better coached? More experienced coach, I guess. But Murray State was bigger. Kentucky was bigger. And St. Peter's still found a way. Could they find a way against Purdue? Probably. But I'm not betting my money on it. I'm not coming on the show where I want to be right. I can't pick St. Peter's to do it. I'm sorry. I just can't. But if they do it, what am I going to say? Congratulations. You you have 2,500 students and you've beaten Murray State, Purdue, and Kentucky. What do you want me to do? Congratulations. I pick Purdue, but honestly, deep down in my heart, roll peacocks, man. Roll peacocks. I'm not going to say what I wanted to say, but roll peacocks. Iowa State, Miami, Florida. Oh, this is tough because I've got the bias of that envelope with my scholarship offer from Iowa State. And, uh, oh, you know, very interesting because Iowa State and Miami probably couldn't be more different outside the fact that Miami can't shoot the three. At least they didn't against Auburn, and Iowa State can't shoot in general because they don't score. Uh, That's probably the only similarity that I can think of. Uh, But again, Iowa State plays this unbelievable brand of defense, a defense that isn't really sustainable. Can it continue? Can they continue giving up less than 55 points uh, Miami shot terrible from the three, and they still almost scored 80 on Auburn. I, 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 I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't like when two teams that couldn't be more different play against each other in a game like this. And then I would go to the team whose conference I value most, and that would be the Big 12. But again, Miami just hammered Auburn. They hammered them. So. I don't value the ACC as much, but the ACC is showing out good, right? Carolina beat a one seed. Miami beat a two seed. Duke beat Michigan State. And then we have the Big 12, who we've got, let's see, I mean, Texas lost, right? Who have we got left in the Big 12? We've got Iowa State. We've got Kansas. And we've got Texas Tech, who Texas Tech had a big scare against Notre Dame. And overall, as crazy as it is, the ACC has looked better than the Big 12 this tournament, which is, which is interesting. So I don't really I don't really know where to go with this game, but what I'm going to trust I'm going to trust the consistency. Brockington has had consistent help from somebody. And LSU, it was Tyrese Hunter. Wisconsin, it was Gabe Kalsher. I will expect Brockington to receive help once more and I'm not going to downgrade with the Miami defense against Auburn holding Jabari Smith and making Jabari Smith almost a non-factor i'm not gonna i'm not gonna disregard that but what i know is iowa state has been more consistent than miami florida this tournament miami was in a nail biter against usc in the first round miami then dismantled auburn i don't know what miami team we're gonna get i know what iowa state team we're gonna get so i'm gonna make i won't necessarily call it a safe pick but I am going to take the conservative pick because I know what I'm going to get every game out of Iowa State. And again, check the box. Brockington, 15 points. Anyone else on the roster, 15 points. Three guys, well, let's see. Yeah, three guys are due for a 15-point game to help Brockington. Robert Jones, Jazz Koontz, George Condon. 
He's gotten Gabe Kalisher. He's gotten Tyrese Hunter. Time for any of the other three to just jump in and help. Any of them. Check the boxes. Two boxes need to be checked because you know what you'll get from the Iowa State defense. Toughness. Physicality. Lockdown. In your face. Man defense. That's what Iowa State brings. I don't know what Miami's going to bring. Miami showed what they can do if they shoot poorly from the three. They still won by 20 points. But I will trust Iowa State to lock them down again. Lock another team down. And I'm going to count on Brockington getting more help. And for the love of God, Cyclones, score 60 points in a tournament game. Please. If you do that, you'll probably just win based on premise. But I'm picking Iowa State. Kansas Providence. I'm picking Kansas. There's not much. I, again, Providence had a very nice performance against Richmond, but Providence also, they played Summit League 31 team South Dakota State, one by nine. Then they got Richmond in almost a freebie. Richmond left it all out there against Iowa, beat Iowa. Then they got hammered by Providence. So I, I, I don't know. Providence just hasn't faced anything close to Kansas all tournament, and I don't, I don't think they'll be ready for it. I'm taking Kansas, even though, even though Creighton held held pretty close with Kansas. I'm gonna take Kansas in this one. Michigan Villanova. It's gonna be a tough one because Villanova is Colorado State, but better. Question is, are they 12 points better? The answer to that question is no. I'm picking Michigan to win this game, and here's why. Villanova runs a six-man rotation. Michigan runs an eight-man rotation. Without Devontae Jones, it'd be a seven-man rotation. Villanova does not have someone who plays active minutes over the height of six foot eight. It's in my notes. Where is it? I'm trying to look for it. There's one. There's I, at six foot eight is the tallest. The tallest person. It is. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I gotta find it. I gotta find it in my notes. I promise. I'm looking. Don't turn off the show. Keep listening, please. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. Okay. Six foot eight, Eric Dixon, sophomore forward. Villanova, six seven, Jermaine Samuels. These are their two biggest players that comp that get consistent minutes. For Michigan, six eleven, Diabate. Seven foot one, Hunter Dickinson. We all know that. We've been through this drill. We know who Michigan has. We know all this crap. But I take I take Michigan here. They got the size. They got the depth. They got the experience. Five straight Sweet 16s, that's no fluke. Now the question is, how much further can they advance beyond the Sweet 16? But in games like this, where it could be a slugfest, where each team is going to try and force their will, there's the coaching difference. I get it. Jay Wright's Hall of Famer. I get it. Juwan Howard has been in these situations as a player multiple times. Juwan Howard has created an identity for this Michigan team. And and, And I'm not saying that I support everything that Juwan Howard's done leading up to this moment. He's had some mind-numbing mistakes but Juwan Howard has this Michigan team playing with a real identity and they're going to get up in your face they're going to beat you up they're going to push you around and Michigan has what it takes to beat this Villanova team and I'm going to take them to win and god I hope I'm wrong I hope Villanova beats them by 60 but logically basketball wise what do I value in this game experience size toughness depth michigan checks all four boxes easily no argument i take michigan in this game and again i hope i'm wrong so ah, brutal 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 stuff brutal stuff but yes pick michigan to win last game that we're gonna pick here arizona houston 
Like I said earlier, I'm going to pick Arizona to win this game. Don't be shocked if Houston wins. I like I like Houston. I like what they do. Houston is, you know, we forget. I, I think I mentioned this last week. We forget last year that Houston was a Final Four team. So they've been in this situation before. They've beaten good teams to get where they, where they were last year. They've beaten, you know, a good UAB team, and they beat a interesting Illinois team. So Arizona would un- will undoubtedly be Houston's biggest test. But what they did to Illinois in shutting down Kofi Coburn, one of the better centers in the Big Ten, you know, I, I don't take that for granted. And I think Arizona coming off of their overtime thriller against TCU, you're either going to get a sluggish Arizona team or you're going to get a pumped Arizona team. I think you're going to get a bit of a pumped Arizona team because they're playing with some real mojo. And like, like, oh, I can't forget what the player's name was that said Benny, uh, that said Matherin. Benedict Matherin is the best player in the country right now oh what was that player's name for arizona i forget but i i I gotta agree honestly benedict matherin has looked fantastic this postseason i think matherin will be the best player on the floor uh if marcus sasser wasn't hurt i would probably say marcus sasser but sasser's been out for months now so you know i i gotta take i'm taking arizona in this one but this this is the game that i will circle for probably most intriguing of the uh of the weekend and it's thursday night 10 p.m eastern time and 9 p.m central time so i'm gonna take i'm gonna take arizona to win this game and i could very well be wrong so those are my picks arizona michigan all the other teams that i can't that i can't remember arizona i'm just gonna run through these arizona michigan kansas cyclones purdue Carolina, Duke, Gonzaga. So that's it. That's who I got. That's who I got as my final eight. We'll see how it goes. We'll see what this East region does. But let's get into a little bit of football here. So Matt Ryan decides, goodbye, bye Atlanta. I'm going to Indianapolis. Deshaun Watson to Cleveland. Baker Mayfield to, uh, I don't know, uh, Canada, maybe. Who knows? Jimmy G to, oh, Jimmy G got traded. No, Jimmy G's still in Frisco. So we've got we've got quarterbacks moving, right? Things are, things are being put in place. Moves are being made. So what I want to ask is, are the Lions going to stay with Jared Goff? With all these quarterback moves going on, with all this mayhem, are the Lions going to stay with Jared Goff? And why? Why are they going to if they are? And why aren't they going to stay with Jared Goff if they aren't? The answer to this question, I believe, is yes. I believe they do stay with Jared Goff. I believe they keep Jared Goff until at least the end of next season. I think they pay off the rest of Jared Goff's contract. Well, obviously, there's the money aspect of it. But I also think Dan Campbell and uh, Brad Holmes are men who have emphasized the need and the desire to build the team from the trenches. And Dan Campbell has been very vocal about this. Detroit Lions head coach, known kneecap enthusiast, um he has been very vocal about wanting to start in the trenches start with the lines the d line and the o line build out from there i think this is definitely a staff that wants to build around their quarterback before determining whether or not the quarterback is their long-term solution now whether or not i agree 
whether or not I agree with this method is a different discussion. But with all seeing all these quarterbacks move around, do I think the Lions are going to make a move? The answer is no. I don't think they're going to make a move. Well, one, because they're terrible. But also because I really think that the methodology of this staff, of this crew, is going to be we're going to start in the trenches, which they did. Drafted O-line, D-line, they're going to build out from there. It's going to go now linebackers, the back of the defense, secondary, right? And then we're going to go receivers. We're going to build, we're going to get everything in place. Then we're going to evaluate the quarterback because Brad Holmes was directly responsible for bringing Jared Goff to L.A., right? Jared Goff is Brad Holmes' guy, so it wouldn't necessarily make sense to just ditch Goff from Holmes' perspective. It wouldn't make sense to ditch Goff before there aren't before there are even weapons around him. So Holmes is going to want to build around Goff, and Campbell's going to you know call plays, I guess. Holmes is going to want to see what Goff can do with the weapons that Holmes provides Goff in Detroit, and then I think the evaluation process for Goff will begin. So I think that also means that the Lions aren't going to pick a quarterback in this draft. So that's kind of that's kind of my just quick take on what I think about these quarterback moves and you know outside of Cleveland now having Deshaun Watson which is kind of tough because Cleveland is worse version of Detroit it's like oh man maybe Deshaun would have come to town well we'll never know but you know just seeing everything move around seeing everything happen it's made me wonder you know is could Detroit make a move for a quarterback could Detroit call something because Detroit gonna make a play for Jimmy G or Baker Mayfield or somebody like that you know would it make sense should they do it is this something that could we could see that could be a feasible result as a result of all this craziness happening in free agency and and the answer to that in my opinion would be no because there's no evidence to suggest historically and also recently to suggest that Brad Holmes would want to make this move. Now, the Lions have never made a move like this, ever, just because they're the Lions. But also, Brad Holmes likes Jared Goff. Jared Goff and Brad Holmes have been linked for, you know, about five years now. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just assume that Brad Holmes, as soon as he gets a shot at another quarterback, whether he be better or comparable to Jared Goff, I don't think Brad Holmes is gonna take that chance. I don't think Brad Holmes is gonna use future assets to move Jared Goff or to make Jared Goff make Jared Goff's position as starting quarterback in doubt. So I think I think one, Holmes wants to keep Goff confident, keep him rolling, because Goff did have a nice end of the season last year. He he looked compatible. He looked competent in the offense. So I don't think Brad Holmes really wants to mess it then. I think Brad Holmes wants to try and build around what Goff did at the end of the season and just bring in more weapons, use the influx of picks, use the high amount of draft capital he has to try and get five starters in this year's draft with the nine nine picks, nine or ten picks that we have this draft. I forget, but you know, that's what that that's kind of what I think. That's my take on the situation. I wanted to bring it to uh, you know, bring it through with Lions. I wanted to compare it to the Lions because it's done a minute it's been a minute since we've done some done some football with basketball going on and everything but i thought this was definitely worth it because there's a ton there's a ton of free agency stuff going on so i don't think the lions are gonna make a move on another quarterback now let's get to the question of whether or not i think that's the right move 
I think it's absolutely the wrong move. I think the Lions should make a play for a quarterback. I think the Lions should make a play for somebody, right? Not just not just Chark or not just, you know, re-signing Charles Harris. What they've done is fine. But something needs to be done. Because I'm I'm young, right? So I haven't seen it all. I haven't seen the 70 years of misery, but I know it exists. Right? You gotta do something different. Just based on the premise, you can't keep doing what's been done. Okay. You know what? I'm gonna try I'm gonna rephrase this. Hopefully I'm hopefully I make this easy to understand. Hopefully I communicate this well. This is my major, in fact. Um let's see how I wanna word this. Think about it like this. You have a problem. Your PlayStation 5 won't work. The HDMI cable will not connect, right? You plug your HDMI cord in, it's not working. The PS5 is not showing up on the TV screen. Not speaking from personal experience, by the way. Don't keep plugging in the HDMI and thinking it's going to work magically. You can't have the same problem, fix it the same way, have that fixing solution or potential solution not work, and then keep trying to fix the same problem the same way and keep having it not work. You get what I'm saying? That's how I view it. So something different needs to be done. Take take something. Get a player. Take a chance. Make a splash move for somebody. Invest. Invest in your future. We are investing our future. It's the draft. Okay. Trade some picks. Hang, keep seven picks for this year's draft. Be able to get three, four starters. Get another starter in the fourth round. Get another starter in the third round. Trade away two of your top three picks. You still keep a first round. You still keep a top 32 pick if you trade them away. If you trade number one and 32, you still pick 34th. Or trade away number two and number 32. You still pick, you still have the 34th pick. Or if you trade away 32 and 34, you still have the number two pick. Which should. You know, I know it's not a stacked quarterback draft. I know it's not a stacked draft necessarily this year. But number two pick should be a franchise-altering player. It should someone that makes an immediate impact week one, right? You can still get somebody like that, right? And if it's you keep, if you hang on to 32 and you get rid of two and 34, that still should be a starter. That should be a week one starter, someone that can make an impact, not necessarily generational player, not necessarily pro bowler in his second season, all pro, but somebody that can start, somebody that can be an anchor to your team, somebody that you can continue to build around. Somebody that you can insert into this lineup almost immediately and allow them to make an impact. That's what you should find at 32 or 34, right? Along with whatever acquisition you make with the draft picks that you use. So, well, you know, I'm not going to get into, oh, should they make a play for Deshaun Watson? Should they make a play for Baker Mayfield? Should they do this? Should they do that? Should they do this? Should they do that? I'm not going to go through all these scenarios because then we'd be here for three hours and I have class in, in 40 minutes. They got to make a move. They got to do something. I don't know if they will. And if they do, I don't. It, I can almost guarantee it won't be quarterback related. But you got to do something. Make a splash. People are out there. They're waiting for you, Detroit. For God's sakes, if Sean Watson can go to Cleveland, why can't somebody else come to Detroit? Oakland County, despite being the birth, birthplace of COVID in the state of Michigan, Oakland County is very nice. Very nice lakes. Millions of millions of dollars of homes. You ever heard of St. Clair Shores? You ever heard of the Shores? Very nice place. Very large houses. You barely even have to spend any time in Detroit. Places you don't want to be in Detroit. Areas that you wouldn't be safe taking your daughter at night. 
taking your aching anybody. It's not all bad. It's not all bad out there. I promise. I was just there. I was just there over spring break. It's not bad. It's not bad. Come to us. Be with us. Please. Come to Detroit. It's not a terrible place. If Deshaun Watson can go to Cleveland, if Carlos Conrea can go to Minnesota, somebody can come to Detroit. Somebody can offer money. Whether it be the Tigers, whether it be the Lions, specifically for the sake of this talk, the Lions, right? If somebody can shell out some cash, bring a top-tier player to Detroit, it'll happen. But who has the guts? Who will make the move? History says it won't be the Lions. But maybe this isn't the same Lions. Actually, who am I kidding? They are. They're the same Lions. What? New regime. Hope. Hope stems alive when new regimes take over. Hope flourishes. Now it often leads you down into a dark cave where there's a guillotine waiting and you get your head cut off. But you never know. You gotta you gotta walk in first. Because maybe, maybe this time there won't be a guillotine waiting. Maybe you can do something to keep the guillotine from coming down and chopping your head off. Maybe you can make a move on somebody. Maybe you can stop trying to solve the same problem you've had for seven decades with the same solution. Maybe you can do something different this year, Detroit. Maybe we can be the team that people say, wow, they went out and they got players. They got men to come play for their team. They handed out the bag and gave away a $10 million mansion on the shores of Lake St. Clair or whatever. The Shores, Gross Point, whoever, whoever, bring someone here. That's all I ask. That's all. So, Lions, college basketball, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, my Michigan State sadness show. We're going to finish out with Michigan. Last thing we're going to talk about here is Michigan because I think they deserve the final word. I think they deserve the last bit of time because I think what Michigan did this weekend, yes, against Colorado State, but also against Tennessee, very impressive. One of the more impressive showings of the weekend by any team. Being down 15 early in the game against Colorado State, not getting phased, regathering themselves at halftime, making a bit of a run before halftime, not total, but keeping it within reach at halftime, adjusting completely. You got to give you got to give Juwan Howard credit for that. I'm not going to say he's a saint. I'm not going to say he's a fantastic, well-rounded, doesn't-have-anger-issues human being. But he did a great job coaching his team. He did a great job creating an identity in his team over the last two weeks, despite the fact that they blew a 25-point lead to Indiana in the second half. Anyway, sorry, excuse me. I didn't mean I didn't mean to say that. That just kind of slipped out. <sighs> but what they did against Tennessee and Colorado State was incredibly impressive. The way they came out in the second half against Colorado State the way they hung tough with Tennessee all game. The way Michigan closed out Tennessee, that's what you see experienced teams do. Michigan was down, I believe, five or six with less than four minutes to go. Sound familiar? Ho-ho! Duke called! Anyways. Michigan was up, or Michigan was down. Backs... Not completely against the wall, but they were getting pushed there. They needed to make a move. They did. Went on a run. Hit their shots. Ran their offense. Clamped down 
on defense. Tennessee couldn't buy a bucket the last three minutes of the game. They tried. They couldn't get them. Michigan locked down. They looked like Tennessee. right? If you take the seed lines away, the way Michigan closed out that game, you would have thought that they were the three seed. How Michigan closed out Tennessee in that game, how they, how they choked away any hope of Tennessee winning, the way Michigan made their free throws, the way Michigan was sound on offense and defense, that's what good teams do. That's what Final Four teams do. And I'm not saying Michigan's going to go all the way to the Final Four, but I, to- I predicted them to beat Villanova. I said that they could beat Villanova. In this show, my words, picking Michigan to beat Villanova, I said I hope Villanova wins by 40, but who do I think is going to win the game? I say Michigan. So Michigan deserves all the credit for everything that they did. Hunter Dickinson, fantastic, did what he needed to do. Caleb Houston, still pretty much a no-show other than in the second half of Colorado State, but they keep winning. Frankie Collins, fantastic. They're doing this without their point guard. And the identity that Juwan Howard and the toughness and the resilience that Juwan Howard has created in this team makes me jealous. That's why it's hard to talk about because it makes me jealous. Why, why should I be jealous of Michigan basketball? They went 17 and 14. My team won 20 games. But the way Michigan has looked at this tournament, the turnaround, the consistency, Michigan hasn't won back-to-back games since early February. And here they are, two in a row, being down, being in adverse situations, situations that aren't easy to get out of, situations where you don't just shake it off and go, nah, we're good. It's not like that. It's not that simple. But what Michigan did, why, why not? Why can't they beat Villanova? Why can't they beat whoever they would play after Villanova? Right? The winner of Houston, Arizona. Why not? Who's got it better than us? Definitely not Michigan State right now in basketball or hockey. <laughs> North Dakota hockey, by the way, playing Notre Dame in the first round, the Albany region. Very interesting matchup. That's the end of the college hockey talk for today. Back to college basketball. Why not predict Michigan to win these games? Michigan has shown they can play both types of teams. Small and fast. Big and physical. Big and physical being Tennessee. Small and fast being Colorado State. And Villanova next. Like I said earlier, Villanova is Colorado State, but better more experience better head coaching obviously so can michigan do it yes why for the exact same reason that i told you of why they can beat colorado state why they beat colorado state why they beat tennessee you take hunter dickinson you take musa diabate you take frankie collins you take eli brooks caleb houston brandon johns Terrence Williams, the depth, the experience, the coordination, the physicality, the demeanor, the identity that Juwan Howard has created for this team is something that I wish Michigan State would have shown. Because Michigan State got beaten up. They got pushed around. They got bruised. They were tired at the end of the Duke game, and it showed. Michigan... No. Michigan played their best basketball in both tournament games at the end. At the end of the game. 
Any team that does that can beat anybody. And John Howard's been there. He's done it. He's been through it as a player, as a coach. He's got the experience. Is Jay Wright a Hall of Fame head coach? Of course. Yes. Not devaluing Jay Wright. I'm actually, I consider this a compliment to Jay Wright because I'm saying that Juwan Howard is com- is is comparable to what Jay Wright is doing, right? What, what Jay Wright has to play against in Michigan is no easy task. And I'm saying that Villanova has a shot to do it, but there's no reason that Michigan can't do it either. What Jay Wright has done at Villanova is fantastic. What Juwan Howard has done at Michigan is fantastic. I'm not saying Juwan Howard's a Hall of Fame head coach. I'm not saying that Jay Wright isn't a Hall of Fame head coach. What I'm saying here is, is what Juwan has done with this Michigan team over the last two weeks is is as impressive of a job as any other coach in America right now. Any other coach in America. After everything that happened, Juwan has come back and his players continue to see him as their head coach, as their leader, as the person they look up to. And I'm not going to talk about how Juwan went and hugged the Tennessee player in the line. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to go into that. What a great moment. I'm not, I'm, no. The, tennis, the Tennessee dude is balling his eyes out. Juwan needed some positive PR. There you go. That's it. I'm not going to get deep into this. Well, what did he say? What happened? How tight did he hug him? Why was the Tennessee guy crying? It's not, none of that matters. Right? Juwan gave him a hug. Supported the man. A little bit of positive PR there. Good for him. But what Michigan can do right now is historic. Only 14 lost team to get in as an at-large bid. Ever. Ever. It's never happened. 17 wins. Among the fewest wins in the 68 field team era. Few Among the fewest wins that any team has ever gotten an at-large bid with. Among the fewest. Thought it was a flu. I said it was a flu. I said there's no way. How can this happen? At least first four. Five and ten against the quadrant one. Five and ten. Not in the first four. But here they are. So it turns out I was wrong. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a mistake. The committee was right. They were right about Michigan. They are right about Duke, Michigan State. And here we go. Now it's Villanova. What are they going to do to shut down Gillespie? That's the key. Because Gillespie's the leader. What can they do to take Gillespie out of the game? Is it tighter defense? Is it extending the defense? Is it running a press? What are they going to do? Because they can't just have a carbon copy of Colorado State. Because if you get down, if you get down 15 on Villanova, it's not going to be the same thing. It won't be the Colorado State conundrum where Colorado State just forgets how to shoot from behind the three-point arc. That's not going to happen. Villanova's too good. They're too disciplined. They're too fast, honestly. They run too good of offense. So what can Michigan do to avoid the early deficit? Because they were down to, they, they started strong against Tennessee. Tennessee came back. Tennessee got up. Michigan came back, right? So Michigan wasn't ever down 15 against Tennessee, I don't think. But in in a way, Villanova reminds me of Colorado State. So if Michigan can hang tough with Villanova, if Michigan can avoid the deficit that they found themselves in against Colorado State, there, there's no reason that Michigan can't win this game. It's it's going to be an interesting offensive challenge and defensive challenge for Michigan because Michigan's going to have to. Michigan will have the offensive height advantage, but on defense, 
they're going to be, you know, Hunter Dickinson is going to be guarding someone half a foot shorter than him. So how how do they react, right? Because there's going to be speed now. Michigan's going to have to play faster on defense instead of a, a more physical type of defense because Villanova is just going to move them around, right? Villanova is going to move the ball quick. It's going to be quick hitting passes, quick entries into the post, quick passes out of the post to the perimeter. It's not going to be Michigan, you know, roughing up whoever, you know, contact on the inside, someone else trying to establish contact, establish position on Hunter Dickinson or on Musa Diabate. It's not going to be that. No. So Michigan's going to have to continue their defensive success without being as physical. And that's not to say what Michigan's doing on defense is bad or wrong. It's Big Ten. It's Big Ten physical defense. There's nothing wrong with that. I like it. I like watching Michigan play basketball. (laughs) But I like seeing what they do. So they're going to have to adapt. They're going to have to change. When they played Colorado State, they had to make a change, and then they adapted to it, and they ended up winning the game. Tennessee was a little bit more familiar. right? They got to play a little bit more familiar style of Big Ten basketball that they're used to. Now they're going to have to readjust to Villanova, and they're going to have to play the Villanova game similarly to how they played Colorado State, except hopefully this time for Michigan fans, they don't get down 15 points because you won't survive that. You just won't. So I like Michigan in the game. I like what they've done. Jawan Howard's players are playing some of the best basketball that they've played all season. They look like a group. They look like a unit. And I just want to I just want to give a quick just moment and mention of appreciation to Frankie Collins because he's been fantastic. Freshman, I believe. I'm also going to say this. At any moment... Juwan Howard could have made Eli Brooks the starting point guard. And, and it wouldn't have been a bad decision. And, and Eli Brooks has won the, has run the point from time to time when Collins needs rest. And, you know, with Devontae Jones out, when when uh, Collins needs some rest, Brooks has been the point guard. But Brooks could have been the main point guard, and it could have been Frankie Collins sitting the bench for a, for a longer stretch of time. It could have been Frankie Collins not seeing the floor, right, instead of Frankie Collins running the point and Eli Brooks staying on the floor. I think Juwan Howard sees aspects of the Fab Five team in Frankie Collins and in other members of the team as well. I think he's trying to establish this Fab Five toughness that they had, that Juwan Howard had when he was on that team. But I think when Juwan Howard sees a young, hungry freshman point guard like Frankie Collins, creative, strong, physical, fast, eyes in the back of his head, high basketball IQ, smart, I think when Juwan sees a young point guard like that, a talented point guard like that as a freshman, someone that just wants to get out on the court and play and help his team, not necessarily a score-first point guard, not really not a score-first point guard. When Juwan Howard sees a player like that on his team, I think he sees aspects. I think he's reminded of the glory days of the Fab Five. And I think it's smart that Juwan tries to put that into the heart of Frankie Collins. Put that into the heart of his team. Because what that Fab Five team did was crazy. It was unheard of. It was unreal. It was unrealistic. Group of freshmen like that. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that this Michigan team is the Fab Five. But I think Juwan Howard is trying to make them that way. I think Juwan Howard is trying to create a new version of it. Trying to create a new historic run the way that his team did. I think Juwan Howard sees the history of this run, what it could mean for the team, what it could mean for the program, I think he's trying to repeat what he did in the 90s. And, and I'm not 
I don't think it's a bold prediction to say that. I think if you look at it, I think you can say, wow, young point guard taking a big moment, taking a big leap, stepping up for an injured player. I don't think it's crazy to make that comparison. So I don't hope they continue to run. I don't, I don't hope that they keep winning, but I think they can. I think they will. So yeah, that that's it. That's all I got for this. Spring break was great. I hope everyone else had a great spring break. If you're a North Dakota student, I'm sure you did. I was the only one from university, not in Florida, apparently. And uh, how did you even get to Florida? I mean, for God's sake, we're in the middle of the Red River Valley, Great Plains, whatever. How, I'm, how did, why not go to Texas or something? Like, Texas is closer. Arizona, even. But anyways, I'm not here. I'm not here to argue. I was in Michigan all break. What am I going to say? So those of you that already had their spring break and were just in school last week as the NCAA tournament was going on, that sucks. But, you know, that's it. That's all I got for you guys. Hopefully hopefully you enjoyed this new edition. Look forward to this weekend's games and a little bit of college hockey as well action. So we'll see. We'll see how it all goes. And that's all I got for you guys today. So hopefully you guys have a nice week. Hopefully everything goes good. And, uh, yeah, I got to get to class. See ya. Take care, guys, and girls. Personality. Potential matchup of Duke and Michigan State. No! No! May God have mercy on all of our souls if Michigan beats Villanova.